0: Hello and welcome to the Over the Barricade podcast. I am your host Ryan Downing, joined as always by my tag team partner. I can't think of any other words this time. It's the deadliest catch, Lee Brando.
1: What's up, Ryan? I'm not alive via satellite. I'm live via my mouth. As I don't know how to take that. I'm here in Cheap Seat Studios for the first time in a couple weeks. Oh yeah. That's true. You are here.
0: Feels good. You haven't been. You know, this is the first time you've been here in the new
1: year. All year. All year long. All. This is the first time I've been here all year since last year. I would have. I would have said. Are those jokes ever good? Like, I'll see you in a year. No. No.
0: They're always terrible. But um, I would have said prior to the start of this calendar year that uh, I would have felt you would have had a hundred and forty-one and a third chance. Since uh, of, of making it at Sacrifice.
1: Well, I would have, except when we did our live on location uh, review of Wrestle Kingdom. Which wasn't on location at Wrestle Kingdom. Not it was, at, just, it was just, on location. It was on a location. Just not that location. <laughs> uh, when we did that, and promptly, within what, a day or two, got extremely ill. Yes, both of us. Both of us. The every, death. Every, everyone that was there. The the death. Yeah. And uh, the the plague, you could say, that's the reason why I have not been back to Cheap Seed Studios until now. When I'm feeling pretty okay, so maybe we should, uh, without further ado, we got a lot to talk about this week. We should dive right into it. We should dive into the worst news first because we. I was actually actually going to ask you. What do you think the biggest headline of this last week was?
0: I mean, if you ask today, based on how news cycles work, obviously the XFL is coming back. But I don't think that's the most important news that's come out this week um, as far as, you know, real life things and uh, direction the company's
1: going to have to go with one of their championships and brands as a whole. Well, I guess uh, I guess we should get into that because there's so many details about it um basically if you're unaware uh wwe has released enzo amore eric arndt um he's uh, he was suspended on monday monday uh, uh, prior to raw so he was suspended the morning i believe of he he was actually in uh brooklyn he was at the Barclays center backstage they had to rewrite his segment he was supposed to wrestle gold dust Uh, The match was supposed to end with the train attacking Goldust only to be uh, saved by the Dudleys. And Enzo was supposed to take the table spot, uh, the table bump that uh, Heath Slater ended up taking. So that had to be rewritten. Obviously, the championship match against Cedric Alexander at this Sunday's Royal Rumble has to be nixed. um, Which is a really interesting thing because now you've almost got a story where Cedric Alexander has been um, prevented from getting his championship match uh, for a couple weeks due to a a lot of extenuating circumstances. So I wonder if they'll play up on that. Um, We're not really sure what they're going to do with the Cruiserweight title. We know that they're going to announce a 205 Live GM uh, next week. This this is not a new idea. Um, This is an idea that has been talked about uh, going back months. In fact, at one point, Summer Rae was in talks for the role, uh, but apparently she was told she was too tall to be the t- GM of Two Hundred Five Live. Uh, <laughs> she so, would, she would. Ha- Summer Rae being tall would have been interesting, but she would have been taller than I think all of them. She would have towered over pretty much the whole roster. So I guess they didn't want that aesthetic, uh, so they didn't go to her. So, so who knows? I mean, I, I I really don't have any theories or guesses or even who would be good. As the GM, uh, all I've heard is that they they want to do like uh, a straight man GM, not a comedic, not a gimmicky GM, like a William Regal, like a William Regal type. Uh, you know, it could it could could be man, woman, whatever, but it you know just kind of a, a regular old GM that's not uh, part of the storylines, just kind of makes the matches and isn't necessarily loved or hated, uh, but isn't uh, you know viewed poorly. Um, anyway, back to the Enzo thing, so. The, the, the reason the suspension and then the subsequent release the next day happened was because on um it was like Sunday night Monday morning uh, uh a, a woman who uh, has somewhat of an internet presence uh, I think she's trying to b- become like snapchat or YouTube famous um so she makes vlogs and little videos and stuff uh out of Arizona named Philomena uh, Shehan um 19 uh said uh, alleged that um in october you know of last year that she went to a hotel room party with uh, enzo and two other people who were her friends a couple um and that uh, there was a lot of drug use and that um she was out of it and taken advantage of and in fact raped by enzo amore that was the allegation Uh, Enzo was called into the office at Raw on Monday uh, prior to the show, around 11.30 I think uh, is what I heard or what I read and um, he was asked about it he admitted that there was a police investigation that he was aware of uh, out of the uh, Phoenix Police Department I believe and that I guess some of the things that she said, not necessarily the rape. Uh, In fact, he has come out uh, through lawyers and made a statement that he uh, unequivocally denies the rape. Uh, But I guess he had admitted to the WWE officials that some of the alleged drug use more than likely happened. Um, The drug in question, there's a few drugs mentioned, marijuana, cocaine, uh, crystal meth, I think, or maybe... uh, Maybe methamphetamine that you Stort I think uh, was was uh, specifically mentioned. So that's not a good thing. Even without the rape, those things coming to light, coming to public knowledge uh, kind of spits in the face of WWE's wellness policy, their you know their, their drug testing. Um, not that Enzo's the only guy, apparently, you can time it out. Uh, c- cocaine is a, a drug that doesn't really stay in your system for a terribly long time. So if if you're on the WWE schedule and you go home Tuesday and you're home Wednesday and Thursday, you can party Tuesday night and it will be out of your system come Monday when the drug testing takes place. Anyway, um, he was released just due to the fact that he knew about it and didn't alert WWE uh, the thinking is they probably wouldn't have so heavily promoted him and built 205 Live around him had they known the, the investigation was ongoing. Um, and also Enzo was not a the most liked wrestler backstage by the other wrestlers, by the you know staff, the employees. He had a lot of heat. He was, in fact, even though he denied it on a WWE program, it is true that he was kicked off a tour bus during the European tour last year uh, due to loudly talking on his phone about how much money he was making and about how he was only in the wrestling business because of the money and that he didn't like the wrestling business or didn't he wasn't a fan of it he didn't have the passion for it like all these other people uh, had talked about going into hip-hop potentially so he wasn't well liked and I guess this was kind of the last straw uh, an excuse for them, an, an easy decision for them, I should say, to let him go. It's, it's interesting that WWE um, really put out only two statements on this so far. The first one was during when they suspended Enzo, they said uh, WWE has zero tolerance for um, incidents of sexual assault. And then when they released him, all they said was WWE has come to terms with the release of Eric Arndt, a.k.a. Enzo Amore. They did not even go the formality of wishing him the best in his future endeavors. Uh, as per usual, uh, they, they let that part out. So I, that was kind of interesting to some people. Mm-hmm. Um, so then then we get into this whole web of things, and I'm not going to speak as to whether you know, Enzo is guilty or innocent, I don't know. I'm leaving that to the police and the courts and everything. Um, it is to be noted that no charges have been uh, placed against Enzo. So it's just an investigation right now. There are no formal charges placed. Basically, it was uh, October 19th, I believe, when the incident happened. Um, a few days later, three or four days later, she, uh, the, the the woman alleging to be raped was uh, admitted to the hospital where a uh, rape kit test was performed on her. Um, Those results, I'm assuming, are back. Um, I I know that there are some tests that they're waiting for the results for. Uh, The police have not released the police report. They're keeping that uh, private for now. Um, But there are a lot of red flags to this case so whether or not Enzo is guilty or innocent I think it's going to be a very hard case to prosecute just because there's been so much that's come out on social media from you know the alleged victim to her friends uh, both that were there and that weren't there uh, text messages that she had sent the morning after which seemed to seem to describe the incident as consensual Um, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances, uh, where she was maybe trying to, um, cover her tracks and not admit to her father who, uh, according to one of her friends pays for, you know, her car and things like that. And would take that away if he found out that she was partying like this. So maybe she told him that it was a rape to get out of it. Anyway, it's a crazy thing and there's a lot of red flags and nobody's keeping their mouth shut except Enzo, which is a little ironic. Um, little. <laughs> everyone else in, in the case is, is talking about it on Twitter and YouTube and all these things, in and TMZ. And that's never good for a case uh, just because you'll end up contradicting yourself and all that's going to be used against you uh, if it goes to a court. So we'll see how this develops. Enzo is out of the WWE, obviously. The Cruiserweight Championship is vacated. And uh, we'll see where that goes. Kind of a kind of a crazy thing to uh, happen to one of the uh, most popular WWE stars, one of the biggest merch sellers, um, of the person that moved 205 Live from barely scratching the top 20 programs weekly on the WWE Network to always solidly being in the top 10. Um, so he was popular. He was a draw. He did sell merch. He was entertaining. Um, and they, they put the machine behind him and they built a brand around him and now he's gone. So it'll be, I mean, they just did live house shows last week for 205 live Mm -hmm. for the first time where he was the main event. And you know, now that you got to think they go back to square one. One
0: would think, um, this is obviously not the um, not the subject we particularly want to talk about, but something that has to be discussed. Simply in the fact that uh, there's a lot of ripple effect that this is going to have. Um, you
1: know, if with- if, if we want to put a nice button on it, uh, as of uh, uh, just a few minutes ago, maybe a couple hours ago, uh, Rich Swan was cleared of all charges in in his situation. So, uh, his situation is looking a lot better, and hopefully he can m- recover and make a comeback and, and be back in the WWE and, uh, be, you know, living, living his dream again on, uh, 205 Alive.
0: Yeah. According, uh, if, if you go by the statements that WWE had released before, he was suspended, um, until further notice, essentially. Um, basically they were simply waiting on the, uh, how that process was going to play out. So for Rich Swan, that works out very well. All signs, if that doesn't turn into something more, would be that he would, uh, more than likely be back on the roster. And Rich Swan is one of their more popular cruiserweights. So I mm-hmm. think that would work well for him. Although with the, the, with the severity of what he was originally charged with, um, it's tough to say exactly how he'd be received coming
1: back <laughs> yeah, it's tough to it'll be interesting to see if that kind of stigma washes off or if that's something he has to carry with him even though you know he's been cleared of everything it's still what people are gonna think about uh, some what some people are gonna think about when they see him right so we'll uh we will
0: simply have to see what happens there. Uh, Enzo uh, being being investigated for something incredibly serious and oh, yeah. something mm-hmm. that Uh, I think the WWE, if this had happened to, uh, your TJ Perkins or somebody like that, he would have been suspended and they would have sat it out and waited. I think they did their first initial move that they would always have done. They would have suspended and waited and see what happened. The second move came, I think, on a couple of things. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Um, Enzo has had a lot of heat behind the scenes for a long time. And if... If you remember, uh, and I saw a video, uh, Enzo's release uh, earlier this week prompted some to share the video of the promo that The Miz cut on him back in October of, um, I think it was in October, apropos, that The Miz essentially shot, The Miz's kind of work shoot promos on WWE are very... um, when he wants to give them and when i i assume they now are giving him the freedom to do those whenever he so feels it's necessary Mm -hmm. or wants to do it but that was one where it basically was you got to get your act right because they're you're going to not be here anymore people don't like you and there was a part of work in that because obviously you're trying to draw heat between the two Mm -hmm. enzo was a big baby face at the time
1: but but the words rang true.
0: The words did ring true. And if you think about it, that's when the heel turn started for Enzo. Now, Enzo was getting a little bit... Starting to rain, grain on people a little bit already. Great, uh, great on people. Mm-hmm. But that promo, I think, turned the corner in him becoming a heel. And what a lot of wrestling fans saw was very true. With some of his actions and how he was being portrayed... And how he was portraying himself, and you know, if these accusations, lead in allegations and investigation, lead to something true, then WWE made the right call. To the people, by the way, who and I, I saw the the Twitter reaction to Enzo being released, and there was an awful lot of innocent until proven guilty. Let's make a couple things really clear. And this is just me. I'm not speaking, speaking for Brando. This is, this is me. Let's make a couple things clear. Private company, so they don't have innocent until proven guilty. If somebody is being investigated on rape charges, it's entirely up to private company to do whatever they so please. Enzo has a history of very poor behavior and rubbing people the wrong way. But he made money. Now, the other side of it is when somebody is accused and being investigated for that, something that serious and has been a problem in the past for different reasons, I they're making the right decision for their business interests. Cut ties. If everything gets cleared and nothing comes of this, you can hire him back. That's certainly not the end of the world, but... If you have somebody who is charged with rape on your roster and you are the WWE who promotes this family image, bring your kids to the show, and you have that on one of your major talents who has been a headache and really has been kind of teetering on is it worth it for about a year now, you don't mess around with it. The WWE made the correct call for their business interests. And if all of this clears up, they will then be faced with the decision, if they want to, that they can hire him back. Enzo is not bigger than the company he worked for. There are very few people that have ever worked for WWE that were bigger than that company. Very few. And he is definitely not one of them. So to anybody online or anywhere else that says Enzo got the shaft, Shut up, because he didn't. He did a lot of this to himself, and he is reaping what he sowed. And let's see how this plays out. But how dare you? How dare you? I'm sorry. I've been a little fired up about this for a week.
1: No, no. It it is a super serious situation, and I don't think it helped at all that it hit them probably on one of their busiest most hectic days of the year where they're trying to coordinate the 25th anniversary of Raw, they're trying to also set up the go home program to the Royal Rumble, they're planning out the Royal Rumble, they're about to plan WrestleMania. Uh, Vince McMahon's preparing his XFL press conference. Like there's never a slow time for the WWE, but of all the times for this to hit, it was probably I could I could see Officials backstage just being like, wow, like I don't even have time to deal with this right now, which is probably why they talked to him. They suspended him and then waited a day to be like, all right, now we've had a chance to to think about it because, you know, we were we were, we're just jam packed. We, we have no time to think. And they were like, sorry, you're gone. And maybe not even sorry from the sounds of it. You're gone. You. Which I heard
0: it- I heard that Vince told him to get out, essentially yeah. to leave the building.
1: Yeah, which, you know. I, I totally understand. Um, like, like you said, you know, Vince has control. They're 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 a public company, but they're not they're not uh, a court. They they don't operate like you said on innocent until proven guilty. Um, they they have clauses in their contract. They have why they can release you, and I think. You know, there's there's a list of reasons, and the last reason is, or for any reason whatsoever. So it's kind of funny that they have reasons beforehand just to basically tell you how to act. But if they want to, they don't have to have a reason. They can let you go. And this was, this was a very big reason, especially with the, the mood of the country and the culture and everything that's happening right now with the Me Too movement and everything like that. You can't have somebody, even if he's innocent, you can't have somebody where this is floating around, um, you know, and that, and that's, you know, we can have the discussion when, when, when things steady out, is that such a good thing? Is, is, it is a, you know, are just allegations enough to do that? Maybe, maybe not. But it, right now in this day and age, it's, it's not worth it to have him. And if he gets cleared, like you said, they can bring him back, but you know, it, it's just not the thing you want on your plate. Six days before the Royal Rumble, going into WrestleMania season, you know it's best just to not worry about it, not explain it, and I think, you know, I think the fans get it. You know, there wasn't where's Enzo and all this and that, at you know at the show. I think they get it, and they're just like, all right, let's just move on to the next thing.
0: Yeah, this isn't CM Punk. Like, don't don't anybody kid yourselves. Yeah, this is this is an incredibly different situation, and to it, I can tell you that uh, you're not going to hear Enzo chants at these shows.
1: You really shouldn't. I would I would really not have respect for, for a crowd that did that. Um, I
0: can tell you right now we're about to head to a pay-per-view into one of the smarkiest towns you will ever go to in Philadelphia, which is not necessarily a negative. However you're not going to get Enzo chance there. Yeah. Like, you, the WWE would have to screw up so royally for them to start doing that, and yeah. I, I think any smart wrestling fan is too smart to do that. If you are chanting Enzo chants, it's more about you than about the product that you're seeing. So,
1: you're also take your ball and go home. You're saying a lot about yourself. But anyway, let's
0: move on. Let's- Please! <laughs> I wasn't expecting us to spend almost 25 minutes talking yeah. about this, but... Can we talk about the x f l
1: yeah yeah let's 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 move on to what happened earlier today three p m eastern time today uh all of alpha entertainment which of course is the uh, uh standalone business that vince McMahon set up after selling about a hundred million dollars worth of w w e stock he sets up alpha entertainment as a separate entity from w w e wants to make that very clear um all their social media says three p m today uh, Vince McMahon's gonna have a major sports sporting announcement uh, on, you know, uh, Alpha Entertainment's live YouTube page. Um, this had been reported in December, I believe. Yep. Uh, that when he
0: when he originally sold his when shares. he sold
1: his stock, various uh, sports reporters had said, Watch, "Look out for January twenty fifth. There's gonna be an announcement that day." And here we are. Um, the announcement, uh, pretty much right away. Was revealed to be XFL 2020. Uh, that's when the planned first season of the new reimagined uh, XFL is. Uh, it's going to be late January, early February of that year. Uh, that's going to be the start of the season. We know there's going to be eight teams, uh, two semifinal games, and a championship game. Uh, we don't know cities. We don't know uh, players. We don't know the well, exact rules. We-, we know
0: some players who won't be in this league. Can I go through some of the features as listed by uh, ESPN's Darren Revelle? Um Eight teams to start, like you said, 40-man rosters. Yep. Uh, the NFL's uh, regular season rosters are 53, uh, with uh, 45 of those can be active for a given game. Ten game season beginning in January, two hour game time goal, which is something that McMahon. Oh my gosh, McMahon <laughs> had a very memorable quote. If you're a wrestling fan, um, for uh, for why he believes a two hour game time should be there. Hold on, let me hit I'm these just other points. Say
1: wrestling fans worldwide all had the same reaction to this.
0: So, uh, really quick, before I do that, let me hit the other two bullet points. Any player with a criminal record is precluded from playing. Even a DUI. Even a DUI. Players won't receive forum to take personal stance on social issues on the playing field. So, before we touch anything else, can we have a moment to, can you please read me the quote for the two-hour game time goal? I want to get it exactly right. Oh, Um, you need to be on the mic, friend.
1: I want to be... Well, I'll just do it from memory and you tell me how close it is. Because I, I, what I remember is we're going to try to... We're going to shoot for a two-hour game time. Because sometimes watching a game that is three to three and a half hours is laborious.
0: You, you hit it correctly.
1: Laborious is the word. Laborious
0: was the word.
1: Says the man who produces... Three hours plus an overrun of Monday Night Raw. That's just on Mondays. Followed by two hours of SmackDown. Plus one hour of NXT. Nope. And plus. plus Mixed Match Challenge and 205 Live. Yes, that's right. I did forget Mixed Match Challenge and 205 Live, which is another hour, and then every two to three weeks, a pay per view. Which ranges from three to four, or in some cases, seven hours. Dude. WrestleMania. <laughs> like, are you now, talking about laborious? He he's he's learned from the WWE's mistakes. Now I know that it is not his call; it is mostly the USA Network's call for Raw and SmackDown. So. I am really excited to see if they get this Fox deal because then it will be two hours with no overrun, and that will be great. And Vince McMahon in the past has said the perfect amount of time for a wrestling show is ninety minutes, which is if you and factor in
0: commercials is two hours right. because SmackDown runs an hour twenty-two with advertising, so uh, with commercial breaks, so you that's that's about right. About eighty to ninety minutes is is proper, although. Uh, NXT, when NXT was really, really hot, which it's cooled off a bit, uh, but when it was really
1: hot, that hour-long seemed really, really nice. It was nice. I think it helped. And if you notice, the TakeOver shows, which there's never been a bad TakeOver show, usually have five matches. So... I'm quickly
0: running through my head to think if I can th- to see if I can think of a bad takeover show, but you can't ever say like the whole event was bad. You might have had a couple stinker matches here and there, but like the NXT matches are great quality almost all the time, and the setups are nearly perfect. The venues are always great. Like
1: crowds are even
0: when great. they did it at full sale, even yeah. when all the takeovers were at full sale, they were really really good. So um, um,
1: some some other notes. Um,
0: hang on, hang on. Okay. I must point out. Okay just who's involved, who who tweeted about the XFL during the show. I can't believe it. I'm being ESPN. So he was asked about particular players. One of them, uh, not specific players. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He was specifically asked about a couple of players. Yeah. One of them was Johnny Manziel, and mm-hmm. then one of them was Tim Tebow, mm-hmm. uh, the other being Colin Kaepernick. So three very different situations.
1: Three very notable kind of...
0: Very their, names notable. Are, their
1: names are out there, and they've reached beyond football at this point for one reason or another. But are
0: not in the NFL. They're not in the NFL. And they're, for
1: various reasons. And they're known names. So his quote, You want someone who does
0: not have any criminality associated whatsoever with them. Even if you have a DUI, you will not play in the XFL. So that will probably eliminate some of them. Not all of them. If Tim Tebow wants to play, he can very well play.
1: <laughs> I thought that was a funny... <laughs> Person to single out.
0: Well, he he was specifically asked about Tim Tebow, so that I didn't want us to think that he just brought Tim Tebow out of you know out of his head. Um, but Johnny Manziel tweeted hashtag XFL twenty twenty, and he he mentioned he went at Vince McMahon. He tags
1: Vince McMahon
0: at three ten p.m. right after the press conference started. So just so we're clear, Johnny Manziel, who does have a DUI on his record, who would be <laughs> precluded from playing. But who would bring a lot of eyeballs to the set. Yeah. Would,
1: uh... He could could just be joking. But then again, you know, we're two years out. One of the things that was reiterated... You mean Manziel
0: or McMahon? uh,
1: Manziel. I doubt Manziel is joking because he wants that money. Probably, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, when the the XFL launched in 2000, 2001, it it was 50 50 grand contracts. So it's not like...
0: No, it's not a ton, but Manziel will do whatever to get himself some notoriety. Yeah.
1: But what, what what Vince McMahon reiterated again and again and again, because there wasn't very many specifics, um, he reiterated that this is going to be uh, an emphasis on what the fans want to see. So if the fans don't want to see halftime, for example, this is one of the things he pointed out, then there won't be halftime, um, you know. The rules are going to be simplified. And the rules are going to be left, I guess, in some part up to the fans. They, I guess, they can voice their opinion on if they think certain uh, established professional football NFL rules will be taken out. Um, He's called. It's basically been
0: called gimmick-free XFL as opposed to the original version that we saw in right. 2001, which did have its quote gimmicks. But you know, a couple of those gimmicks did find their way into the NFL. Just yeah. so you know,
1: um, he also emphasized. Safety. He was specifically asked about concussions, CTE, and he said something along the lines of, we're going to be working with uh, doctors and technology experts, and we're going to be listening to them to see how we can make this game as safe as, safe as possible while still being football. Gosh, remember the original
0: XFL where they'd have two players yeah. run to the ball in the first play they did on the first game? Somebody like tore their ACL and was out for the year?
1: yeah so i i assume it's gonna be very different he he did kind of mention that this is a reimagining of the xfl so
0: not much extreme about this football league
1: yeah he said they just kept it because it's a cool name they did and they already
0: have the branding <laughs> for it
1: he 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 was asked if much market research has been done and he kind of answered by saying yes and more will be done uh I'm not sure how much has been done because that's something you we probably would have heard about through one route or another. Usually if they send out surveys, we, yep. we get these ideas, which, which, by the way, quick side note, we'll go right back in. But did you know that at this point in time, the WWE is sending out three separate emails to former WWE Network subscribers that they can get the next three months for $1.99, 99 cents, or absolutely free?
0: I am canceling my subscription today.
1: This, if there's any time of the year where people will willingly pay full price for your service, it is in this January to April period, which includes the Royal rumble and WrestleMania and and two other pay-per-views. So I don't know why they're doing this. Actually, I do know why they're doing this and infuriates me. It's so that they can announce when their quarterly, uh, conference calls, shareholder meetings happen. They can say our paid subscriber number is and it will be a big number. So what you're saying is they're gimmicking the subscriber numbers like they gimmick the attendance numbers? Well, basically it doesn't matter if you pay 999 or a buck, you're a paid subscriber. Technically, yes. So that's it it does matter monetarily, but when they have their calls they can say our paid subscriber number is x and x is more than x was last year and that makes me mad. anyway back to the xfl uh speaking we should of x... we should
0: finish up with the xfl yeah. pretty quickly uh
1: the the biggest thing to come out about uh like the biggest question on everyone's mind is is this a reaction to the nfl's season that just passed they're going in the super bowl in two weeks is this a reaction to the national anthem uh protest to you know colin kaepernick to all that. Is, is this some sort of backlash? Is this like a niche league for people that were annoyed by that? And while he did say that we're this is about football, we're here to play football, we're here to leave political and social issues out of it so that people can enjoy football, because I don't know if you've been to football games this season, but I've talked to people who've been, and it's really not fun because strangers will come up to you and, and ask your opinion about these pretty important issues that are being protested about on the field during the national anthem and whatnot. I
0: went to a football game, uh, end of December. Um,
1: and I was not asked any questions. I just watched a football game. (laughs) Well, you're one of the lucky ones, but it has been uncomfortable for maybe, maybe in the section I was in. Yeah. It has been uncomfortable kind of to attend football And, and, and the attendance numbers are down the ratings are down. We know that, uh, it's not the end. I think they'll bounce back next season, but he was asked about that. He was asked if president Trump had any involvement. He said, no, um, but he did say that he believes the National Anthem playing before a sporting event is a time-honored tradition, and that he thinks it's appropriate for the players to stand during that to honor everything that that symbolizes. So very much a 72-year-old man's opinion on the National Anthem, and we won't get into our opinions here, but it's very obvious that that will be something in the rule book. And I don't know how they're going to police that. If you don't stand, are they going to take you off the field? I don't know. Uh, but that's pretty much everything that came out. Really nothing specific. We won't know cities. We won't know all that. They've got two years to put it together. Uh, he did say that the one thing they learned from the mistakes of the last XFL is the, the gameplay needs to be at a higher quality. So they're going to work for the next two years to ensure that the games are high quality games, balanced games balanced teams, uh, here. And I guess they can do that because there's no franchise model. All teams will be owned by the XFL and Vince McMahon. And, uh, there'll be no crossover with the WWE at all. Um, I'm sure there'll be cross promotion, uh, from the WWE promoting the XFL, but there's not going to be personnel going between the two. And he said, he was asked, are you going to be out front in, of this NFL, XFL? And he said, this will This most likely will be the last time you see me involved with the XFL. I will be behind the scenes. Uh, So that's pretty much that. Well, sorry, I was quickly looking up
0: the the history of, of the U.S. National Anthem playing ahead of football games. I and, think they should
1: play real American before XFL games.
0: You know, they play. They say America thirty-seven times.
1: That so feels like it
0: in in real American, and they don't say America once and, and start spangled banner.
1: That's true. So I think they should open every game with "I am a real," and that's all I'll say because Ryan's always worried about getting sued. That's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Did
0: you know that uh, that in two thousand nine was the first time NFL players began standing on the field? for the National Anthem before yes. the start of primetime games.
1: Beforehand, they stayed uh, in the locker room. Correct.
0: That is Which correct. Which I so. think
1: is kind of the best way to resolve it. Just play the anthem before they come out to the field. Once they come out to the field, it's all football. That's,
0: and that's a good point. I think that works all the way around. But that being said, that's not what this is for. I, I, just, I liked that historical tidbit. That's why I wanted to look it up. So yes. it's, it's a nifty fact. Um, not saying one way or the other how we particularly feel about it, just pointing out a fact. Let's Um, talk
1: about Raw.
0: Oh, do we have three hours?
1: Because WWE didn't. They had three and a half. (laughs) and, and, And really nothing there. I mean, I was... I don't know about you. I was severely disappointed and let down by this 25th anniversary of Raw episode. I thought that it had so much potential, a mega well of talent to draw from, from the past and the present. And I feel like they really just fumbled it, no pun intended. I I feel like they really, really dropped the ball and they just What's all these I, football references? I can't get out of it. <laughs> I feel like they really um didn't score. God, great. <laughs> <laughs> I right, don't know who you are anymore. I I, I just felt like it, there was a lot of flat segments that went nowhere. They did very little to promote the Royal Rumble, specifically the Royal Rumble matches.
0: It's not like it's the go home show right before the Rumble or anything. You and know the, the only the uh, just so you know the, you know the only Rumble Rumble related thing they really pushed on Raw twenty five was the R- Women's Royal Rumble with Oscar throwing Sa- uh, uh, Bailey over the top rope.
1: Yeah, and he, and here's the thing you have. 18 women announced for the 30-woman Royal Rumble. You could have announced more. You could. I know that some of the legends that were there, the Trish Stratuses, the Kelly Kellys, the Tori Wilsons, I know some of them are going to be in the Women's Royal Rumble. So why not, when Asuka tosses everyone out of the ring, why not have one of them come in and throw Asuka out and formally announce that she's going to be in the Rumble, you're still going to have room for 11 other surprises. So,
0: um, yeah. when we get to our Rumble talk, which we won't spend a ton of time on all the matches because as with the Royal Rumble typically is, most of the matches are throwaway except for the Rumble. Yeah. This year we just happen to have two.
1: Yeah. Also, you have only 17 men announced. So, you actually have more women... A smaller roster, but more women announced for that rumble than you do the men's. It's
0: every woman that's not a champion that's on or Raw injured. and SmackDown, or injured. Yeah, uh, because Paige, Paige is obviously one of the injured yeah, women. so uh, uh,
1: uh, uh, we do even, have another bit of news about the Even Dana
0: women's. Brooke has gotten announced.
1: Uh, the The other bit of news that came out today was is that uh, the commentary team for the women's Royal Rumble will have a new addition. Is it Lita or or Beth Phoenix? Yeah, have you not heard this? No. It is none other than Stephanie McMahon. No! <laughs> I wanted to Are look at Are you kidding kid. me? I am not kidding. She will be commentating during the women's role role. No, Bowl. I had one no hour, idea. One hour plus of Stephanie McMahon's you think they actually angelic to, voice. Do
0: you think they actually go an hour? And how long before Stephanie McMahon enters the Rumble?
1: That's my thinking. My thinking is she's going to be the surprise That's 30, 30 entrant and win. Because I can see, I can see. A world where this year, the first ever, remember what they did with the first ever women's money in the bank, mind you. We love you, James Ellsworth. We love you, James Ellsworth, but a, women, a woman did not win. So they're they, Only on a technicality. On a technicality. So this shows that they're not very, they don't really care about the historicality of it, if that's a word. I don't think historicality is. is a word. It's a word now. And, um, is it a word just because you speak? So I can see a world in which Stephanie McMahon wins the Women's Royal Rumble and Shane McMahon wins the men's Royal Rumble. I can see it i I call me crazy, but Vince McMahon did win a Royal Rumble once, okay? And, and though it worked in the storyline back then, they could work it into the storyline now that Stephanie and Shane would win. But moving on, I think she will be involved in the Royal Rumble. Uh, one person who it's seeming like, whether it's a swerve or not, we don't know. But Ronda Rousey today has told TMZ that she is in fact she was she was getting on a plane to go to Colombia, uh, somewhere in South America, to film Mile Twenty Two, which is an action movie with Mark Wahlberg, um, and that she will be there. She will be out of the country on Sunday. So, and she's 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 posted a, a video on her Instagram from Columbia.
0: Well, we know that means nothing because it's not Sunday.
1: It's not Sunday. She could easily take a plane back. She could easily be in it. But before we get too much... Also, into the- Triple H has come out and said that she the deal's not done and she won't be in the Royal Rumble. He said that on the NXT conference call two days did. ago. Of course he did. So... Um, do you,
0: do you want to jump into the rumble or do you want to continue airing your grievances as it <sighs> pertains to raw 25? Let
1: me run through my grievances for raw 25. We opened the show. First off, let me tell you what they did. Right. They dressed up the Manhattan center exactly, pretty much exactly like it was on the first episode. In fact, the first couple of episodes, cause if you remember they filmed for months at the Manhattan center in 93, starting in January, the so- Manhattan
0: center was beautiful.
1: It, it, it was beautifully
0: made up. they, they
1: had the it, Ico Pro it looked almost uh,
0: exactly the same
1: they had the Ico Pro banner which was that old bodybuilding supplement line that Vince McMahon was trying to push when he was trying to take over the bodybuilding world with the World Bodybuilding Federation the old WBF brother. the WBF um you know they they had the 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 neon WW sign, yeah, the, the red, white, and blue ropes.
0: Especially they, they made up the neon WW sign for this because it wasn't that in the no. '93.
1: And um, and even though they 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 came around later, uh, you know, after Raw had moved out of the Manhattan Center, you had Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross on commentary. Well, the best commentary team that's still
0: alive. And still alive, I, yeah. I, in my opinion. They are the—I would say they're the best simply because I think the sheer number of mainstream moments that yeah. they were the voice of. And, the, and that's nothing against Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. Or and, Gorilla
1: Monsoon and Bessie Ventura. <laughs> or, or,
0: or Monsoon with uh, Monsoon with McMahon or yeah, yeah. Savage. Like, yeah. the, the commentary teams in the early 90s were great, but a lot of— I, Nothing against Monsoon, who was a great commentator— I think a lot of that might be some nostalgia. Yeah. Whereas I think Ross and Lawler as a pairing, I just don't Ross know if we had better were in
1: the pocket, and and were just such a beautiful commentary team for the hottest time in in wrestling.
0: And I think they were a wonderful. That was a wonderful use of good talent to put them on there. Except for. Uh, did not know how
1: few times we would hear from them in the night. That's that. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. So that's something they did really well. The Manhattan Center looked great. It had Jerry Lawler, Jim Ross. Um, the other thing they did really well. The stage, the stage setup beyond the neon WW, where it was like yes. the curtain. They, they stepped ugly out. Yellow curtain. Oh, so good. Exactly. As it was. And um, and you had the guys that were there on the first night. The Undertaker, Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. You had them all at the Manhattan Center. I don't.
0: Was Razor on that? He first show? he didn't
1: wrestle. He was interviewed by Vince McMahon. Correct. Anyway, so I thought they did that right. And and the first segment, I think everyone generally agrees, was the best segment of the whole show. That was where Stephanie and Shane um, presented a plaque to Vince McMahon, uh, congratulating him. He immediately turned heel on the Brooklyn crowd. They ate it right up. They called him a hole. All of this. He he kept going heel and telling him, telling them that plaque is what's in their teeth and what's in their arteries because they'd suck down those Nathan's hot dogs. Great line. And then, you know, I, I looked at my roommate and I said, you know, that's a lot of McMahons in the ring when Stone Cold's in the building. And as soon as I said that, the glass shatters and Stone Cold Steve Austin at 53 comes out looking great to a massive pop. Yeah, which you'd expect. He comes down to the ring. Stephanie leaves. Because <laughs> um, it's not 1999 anymore. We're not stunning women. And, we are
0: throwing them through tables. Hi, Roman Reigns. Yeah.
1: And, um, you know, Stone Cold doesn't say anything, but he does the whole offering a of beer. And, uh, you know, Vince, who has aged greatly uh, since since we last saw him.
0: Greatly or has not aged well.
1: Uh, I mean, he's just, I mean, he's 72. I mean, he, he, he's, he went, he he went from, wow, he looks good
0: for his mid sixties to, wow, he's in his early seventies.
1: Yeah. He lost a lot of size. I don't know if he's injured or anything, but you know, Vince has always had a semi, you know, a bodybuilder physique. He's been, he's always in the gym. Uh, he's lost a lot of size, you know, and 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 even the things. It probably didn't help that the things he was saying in the promo, like I, I'm in a retirement home, I'm a member of AARP, I got a heart murmur that won't go away, I got arthritis, my bones are brittle. That probably didn't help. Um, <laughs> probably not. But then he, he does he does sell out Shane and says, "Well, Shane's in his prime," and Stone Cold. Shane's,
0: by the way, Shane's face acting in that moment it was great. Was perfection
1: he's he's like you sold me out
0: eyes went so wide and he like he looks at vince then he quickly looks back at austin i know that some of that was not your favorite but that was perfect
1: yeah yeah yeah. but and and then of course shane gets a stunner uh beer is spilled on vince's jacket vince... Shane shane's first stunner was not great it wasn't great and and vince actually spills beer on shane as shane's laying down which i spilled, thought was funny. Poured. poured i thought it was pretty funny <laughs> and then there was a weird moment where, where vince was gonna leave and then he just stopped for no reason nobody was preventing him from leaving he, he just... didn't
0: have to turn to look at stone cold i expected austin to step forward and touch and like his shoulder grab really... his shoulder yeah. or something something some, there was grab his
1: arm as he's stepping away yeah there was something there that was weird but anyway he turns around he gets a stunner. one of the better stunners that vince mcmahon has ever taken it was still terrible it was still terrible but it was one of the better ones. it does
0: remind you of the first one where he did the floppy
1: fish and um and then of course shane gets back up takes a mouthful of beer takes a stunner and there's a million dollar photo of Shane spewing the beer in the air like the a second. whale as he as he's selling the stunner.
0: Shane's second
1: stunner was so much better. Yeah, that was that was the stunner of the night. And then it was kind of all downhill from there. And I have two quick things about the that promo. First off, the Vince McMahon stopping thing, and secondly, the last time we saw Stephanie and Shane together, they were at each other's throat over Survivor Series. And now everything's hungry time door. heals all wounds.
0: Nothing Apparently. like nothing like two months Thanksgiving and Christmas together.
1: Apparently, anyway. So then we go into a uh, what was it eight man or eight women tag? Eight it's, woman tag.
0: Oscar yeah. Sasha Banks Bailey and Mickey James versus Nia Jax Mandy Rose Sony Deville and Alicia
1: Fox. Two of these four don't make sense to be on the same team. True, and we get two commercial breaks. I'm assuming because the. McMahon segment went nineteen twenty minutes. Yes, it did. <laughs> and they have you know a certain number of commercials they have to get in an hour, so we get two commercial breaks during this eight woman tag. And the baby faces go over, and then the story here is Oscar throws everyone out to kind of prove that she's the dominant one, favored for the rumble. Blink and you missed it. It was the
0: only rumble promo they did the entire night.
1: Yeah, and this this is really except
0: for the main the main event slot.
1: This is really where I would have had some of the a, a few of the surprises because unless we're gonna have thirteen surprises. Which is going to get old? Every other person being a surprise, you know. Um, this is where I would have had some of the older women come out and 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 toss Oscar uh, over and announce the rumble. I would have done something there. Wait, they uh, were
0: in the building. Well, not everybody. We, where were you? Where was
1: Lita? I. I mean, we'll see her Sunday, maybe. Um, not from the sounds of it. We we go back to the Manhattan Center, and we get the Undertaker, which I thought was early. I thought it was early to do the Undertaker thing. Um, I did like how when he came out, it was a shot-for-shot remake. The the framing and everything of the shots of him coming out at their first Raw. Sans, Paul Bearer, of course. Um, He wasn't wearing his gloves. He wasn't wearing his coat or his hat.
0: (laughs) Somebody had a sign or I, it may not have been a sign. It might have been something I, I saw on Twitter now that I think about it. But somebody had a sign is when you can't find your hat and gloves <laughs> of him just standing in the ring just kind of looking around.
1: And then he delivers this odd promo uh, where he's talking about people that he's, you know, he's been digging holes and the taking souls, souls. he's buried. And, he, and he's, you know, he's beat McFoley. He's beat Stone Cold. He's beat Kane, his own flesh and blood. And uh, the crowd's chanting one more match very loudly as he says that for all those that he laid to rest, it's truly time to rest in peace, and then leaves. So that was weird. I, I don't know really what to make of that.
0: I'm pretty sure that was a f- retirement confirmation.
1: But you know, you could the wording was so weird on it that you you could have you could have said it's truly time for me to rest in peace. Somebody, I mean, you know, to be
0: fair. If you listen to a lot of Undertaker promos, especially in the last five ten years, not many of them make a lot of sense.
1: That's true. Which Um, is
0: nothing against Taker. Taker was always a good promo, but Taker was never a great promo. It was the character that did a lot of the work for him.
1: You know, I I do think a funny... If he does return, I do think a funny return would be... Biker Taker. Whoever he's going to be wrestling is in the ring, and the lights go out, and the lights come back on. And instead of the Undertaker being in the ring his hat, his folded up jacket, and his gloves. And his gloves are in the ring. And then he comes out, and just as methodically and slowly as he took them off and folded them at WrestleMania. Puts them back he puts them back on in reverse order.
0: John Cena's just standing where mouth agape. And, and what then, do I do? And then choke slams
1: Cena. <laughs> Um, of course, I think I talked about last week. What I would have done here is I, I would because obviously the plan is for him and Cena to wrestle WrestleMania this year. I would have had him come out at the Manhattan Center. Well, I would have had somebody that looks a lot like the Undertaker who you have no reason to believe isn't the Undertaker come out of the Manhattan Center. Um, Fake taker stand in the ring, put the mic up to his mouth and then Cena's music hits and Cena comes out at the Barclays Center And it's a split screen and Cena's basically saying, you know, I thought you'd be here. I got something I want to say to you. Lights go out in both arenas. Lights come back on. He's gone from the Manhattan center. He's teleported to the Barclays center to confront Cena. That's what I would have done. Anyway. Um, I also have a lot of other ideas here. I would have done a cold open with Vince pulling up to the arena as the show opens out of a white limo like the one he gets blown up in. He comes out of it. He does a long one of the. Remember when they used to do those long backstage walks?
0: Yes, like the one he went to the limo for, yes. and also the one where DX was just sending him random things on yes. his way to the to I the would arena. have done a
1: long backstage walk, but in the background, I would have had Easter eggs. I would have had- a Cor- Paul London smiling, is
0: smiling very
1: widely. I would have had a Zamboni. I would have had a Corvette with concrete in it. I would have had- uh, he's walking, and he stops, and he looks, and he puts out his arms, and he gives Eric Bischoff a hug, and he keeps walking. And I would have had stuff like that, and then he goes and. I would have had I would have had
0: random wrestlers from the past. Yeah,
1: yeah, you, you not you have,
0: not your Godfather. No, no, you Godfather have, appearance. That's not how you do the you Godfather. John appearance.
1: Laurinaitis, you know, glad handing him as he goes by. You would, you, it literally strikes the Spirit Squad. Yeah, and then you get to the ring, and I would have had. Uh, Daniel Bryan and Kurt Angle there with Stephanie and Shane. So it's like you've got the management team here. Okay, that makes sense. we got the management team here. And when, when Shane takes the stunner, I would have had Daniel Bryan inadvertently feed Shane into the stunner. To continue that storyline. That
0: would have required Uh, too
1: much effort on the writing team. Yeah, yeah, I know. I also... uh, What was next in in the actual... Oh, this was early too? This was... Miz and Reigns. Miz and Reigns. I thought that was going to be the main event. No.
0: uh, Can we... Our actual main event was... And I love Gallows and Anderson. Yeah. But... What an awful like setup for a main event. Your actual main event of the night was Gallows and Anderson against the Revival,
1: and it was just a short match. It didn't have any chance of being really a a great match. You didn't
0: need the match; you You just needed the moment. That's all you needed, and those guys were set. But then you had to have a match.
1: (sighs) Yeah. So uh, Miz obviously wins uh, the Intercontinental Title. He's pegged to defend against Braun Strowman at this year's WrestleMania. he, 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 you know, they actually did something cool here where usually when a wrestler takes off the the padding to the turnbuckle, it's very obvious. Here, I didn't see it.
0: I didn't see I didn't it, see it either. until they replayed
1: it. So I, I thought didn't that was see good. it
0: either. The commentator said there was, there was no, there, they said something about no padding. And then I was like, wait a minute, what? And you look and there's clearly no padding, which is the better thing for the heel to do. If it's, it was obvious, obviously, to the people in the arena. But if it's obvious to you on television, it takes some of this gimmick away because you know what's coming. Yeah. With that one, you didn't know
1: he was going to hit it yeah,
0: uh, on yeah. television. So, so I thought they totally did a really nice job. Miz goes
1: over. Then we go into— uh, What do you
0: mean? The, the Miz did something really good? I'm not surprised
1: anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, people that I talk to are like, I hate him. And I'm like, yeah, but in a good way. <laughs> like You hate him because you're supposed to hate him. You hate him not because he's annoying, but you hate him because he's good at being a bad guy. Uh, then He's, we go to the Peep Show with Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins.
0: Interesting choice. I don't. I, I, I'm glad they got Christian on the show. Yeah. I know their original intent was to have Christian and Edge. Edge could not make it. Yes. But um, I, I feel like I feel like this is you just do the highlight reel.
1: Yeah. You had Jericho there. Anyway. I think
0: you can easily have put Christian backstage and had just swapped those two roles. But that being said, I'm not mad at what happened with Chris Jericho backstage.
1: Yeah, and uh, of course, this uh, this gets interrupted by Sheamus and Cesaro um, and ends with Jason Jordan eating a flying knee from Rollins, teasing a breakup there. Uh, it was what it was. It wasn't bad. But at this point in the night, I was starting to think, Man, the Manhattan Center is really getting gypped out of a lot here. Yeah, we had a we had, I
0: believe by that point, we had two different backstage APA segments. Yeah. Which in to a degree I actually enjoyed the way they kind of built up how they did that was the most consistent and cohesive storyline in the whole night. But was it did get building scaled. up to Heath Slater being caught cheating with all the different legends and, and superstars showing up. Million Dollar Man was wonderful as usual. Um it, Million Dollar Man was great. Have you, MVP was a really nice cameo. Jeff although, Hardy
1: returned to Raw.
0: Which the, we heard about, but it was like, what? Yeah. And uh, The New Day came out and had a really fun se- part of that I mean, Jeff Hardy table. was
1: at that poker table.
0: Yes, he was. If, if, if for was only his, very briefly. Natalia showed up yeah. for
1: some reason. Now, have you ever seen Young Frankenstein? I have not. Young Frankenstein, it's um, Gene Wilder. Yes. Okay. It's a comedy version of Frankenstein. Yes. I liked some of the stuff that they did with the APA, but here's what I would have done. And let me, let me run this by you. You know how Rhino has kind of been telling Heath Slater that he needs to prove himself in the last couple of weeks? Correct. Well, there's a scene in Young Frankenstein where Gene Wilder, who's Dr. Frankenstein, uh, actually he's pronounced Frankenstein, as he says, (laughs) Um, he's trying to impress this girl, Right. And the monster is in a room laying down, taking a nap. And he goes, I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna save this monster with love. And he's like looking in this chick's eyes, like he's really trying to you know, lay it on smooth and lay it on thick. And he's like, I'm gonna risk my life for love because I feel like love's the only thing that's gonna save that monster. So what I would have done is I would have had Braun Strowman sleeping in the APA's room, quote unquote And the APA would be outside the room going, I don't think we should go in. I don't think we should bother him. Rhino and Heath Slater walk up and Reiner's going on about how he has to prove himself. So Heath Slater goes, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) I'm going to get Braun Strowman out of this room for the APA. And I think that'll prove to you that I'm a worthy wrestler. And uh, he goes, uh, Heath Slater would go, now I'm going to have to work my magic in there. So no matter what I say, don't open this door because if you open this door, it's going to undo everything that I've been trying, everything that I've accomplished in there. And we're not going to get Strowman out. So he goes in, he shuts the door and he starts walking towards Strowman. Strowman wakes up and yells at him like growl, like brawn, like Adam. He's later immediately he turns around, open the door, open the door. We can't do that. it's a joke open the door come on don't you know a joke when you hear one which open the door. is
0: even funnier given the fact there's no wall it's literally just the door yes.
1: and Strowman gets up and they don't he said don't open the door so they don't open the door Strowman gets up walks over grabs slater and puts him through the poker table uh and that's and, and and storms out through the door uh later you can go back and have the apa playing poker on a new table that's just placed over heath slater's body on the ground <laughs> And you, you keep having it. But that's what I would have done. Anyway. Again, uh, well, I don't think they wanted to
0: do that. I think they've wanted. I think they realized that you either use Braun a lot or only once in a show. There's no in-between. <laughs> that would have required him to be in just two segments. He can only be in one segment or 15. So, he can only
1: be in one segment or the entire first 90 minutes.
0: Which, to be fair, I think is how you correctly spend Raw sometimes.
1: We do go back to the Manhattan Center here. And by this time... Manhattan Center has had two dark cruiserweight matches. One was a two-minute match. The other one was a tag team match where they broad for two minutes during commercial break. And then they, they they started in the ring and then they broad to the back. And and for 45 minutes, they were fighting in the back and then came back out for another two minutes. And so you can understand why the Manhattan Center crowd was just really sad. But we go back to the Manhattan Center here and we get the unadvertised match between Bray Wyatt and Woken Matt Hardy. Which
0: you could have built to a pay-per-view match. They have to fill a pay-per-view after the
1: Rumble. It's unadvertised. I don't understand this move. And the match itself was short and weird. A waste of time. And the finish was weird and out of nowhere, but not in a good way. There was a way to do that where you kept actually
0: having a finish in that match. And instead, we're actually going to have Bray Wyatt win a match clean. Yeah, over yeah. a guy over a guy that had one of the hottest gimmicks in wrestling, just got that gimmick back, and what do you think is going to happen?
1: I, I, well, I've heard rumors that he's he's gone back to compound and he's going to come back as Broken Matt, using the word broken. We well, he, uh, he does
0: own that now, so, uh, thanks to the the way that Anthem is now running Impact. So,
1: so that's a possibility. That
0: gimmick is his, and there are murmurs that there is a new. As I talked about last week, there is a new Final Deletion coming. I have a yeah. feeling it's going to involve Bray Wyatt, and it might involve the return of Jeff Hardy as Brother Nero.
1: How bad will this be if we get another House of Horrors match?
0: Well, that depends. If you remember, the, ans- the actual answer to the Final Deletion was the New Day goes to the Wyatt compound, which in some ways was not great, but in other ways, it was actually very cool because it was very unique and different for WWE.
1: wasn't as bad of the, as the House of Horrors. No,
0: because the House of Horrors was way too WWE for its own good. It should have been more Final Deletion if you wanted to try and make Final Deletion a little bit more serious. Um, from there, Elias has a run-in with Chris Jericho. Wearing an Alpha Club
1: New Japan shirt.
0: Yes, New <laughs> Japan signee Chris Jericho. <laughs> has in, Wearing New Japan merchandise. Yes, and has a confrontation with Elias, who Elias then goes out to the ring. He puts, has a, another he puts Elias on the list. He puts Elias on the list. For scarves. For the scarves. Elias is out in the ring, sings his song. John Cena comes out. Elias buries not only Jimmy Fallon, but also John Cena. Yep. And then leaves. Uh, he, John he,
1: Cena put over another talent. He, he takes the, he, John Cena took the, the guitar shot. He did. Um, so I guess I guess the thing is Elias is being put in Samojo's spot while Smojo's out injured. Um, I don't know if that means that Smojo is not going to make it back in time for Mania, which would really suck. But if he does, I can only assume Samojo versus Cena if they don't do Undertaker. From there,
0: Heath Slater and Rhino versus Titus Worldwide. We go back to Manhattan Center for. The um, oh, we forgot about the GM bit they did. They did a GM the, the, the boogeyman, bit, uh, the, boogeyman. Uh, the boogeyman bit. Although Johnny the the, the
1: .dot com bit between New Day and Boogeyman was much more entertaining, and the .dot com
0: bit with Chris Jericho and Stone Cold were both much more entertaining
1: stuff. They should have put on the show, and stuff not what they, they
0: should have put on the show. Uh, then we have the return of DX, mm-hmm. uh, which is Shawn Michaels. Uh, excuse me, Triple H and Shawn Michaels come out first, and they introduce. They didn't come alone. We
1: did get a cool uh, shout-out to China.
0: There was. Uh, That's the first time that it seemed like the Manhattan Center actually kind of played along with what was going on.
1: Yeah, I want to point that out. The Manhattan Center was a little unrestful. They had about 800 people there uh, in the crowd. Those tickets were not cheap. And paying over $800, some people, for their tickets, Um, which is funny because they did a close-up on somebody with a ticket stub from the first Raw, and I think it was $12. (laughs) So, um, but what I will say is though they were chanting BS and refund and all this stuff when they were on camera, when they were on TV, when DX was out, when, you know, when people were out, they did, they were a good crowd for them. They probably weren't as good as they could have been because they were kind of had the, you know, energy sucked, the fun sucked out of the room for them because they'd been sitting there largely with nothing going on, but they were a good crowd. But we did get a shout out to, um, Rick Rude who was one of the original DX members, believe it or not, Uh, China. And then, you know, we get introduced to the New Age Outlaws. Uh, Road Dogg got maybe the biggest pop
0: at the Manhattan Center for anybody not Undertaker. Yeah. Uh, Which was lovely, and it made me very happy, because I always liked Road Dogg. Uh, He was not always the best person, from what I understand. But I've always liked his character, and I've never quite gotten enough of him because I didn't watch in the Attitude Era. So, yeah. uh, Billy Gunn, we're always take it or leave it with Billy Gunn. But I'm very excited that uh, that that Road Dogg got himself some talking time. And then I didn't. I assumed Xplod was coming, but they, he wasn't announced, and there were murmurs yeah. that he wasn't um, that he wasn't going to come. So I was very glad. To see that X-Pac came out, although somebody somebody did say they missed a golden opportunity to play his X Factor theme song. Um, yeah.
1: I I my favorite part of that is when they were chanting one, two, three.
0: They were chanting one, two, three, which was a really awesome moment. Yeah. And X-Pac was in full character and he slid into Sean Waltman for just a second. Mm-hmm. And you could tell he his voice changed. And he actually, I think, got a little choked up yeah. at the fact that they were chanting one, two, three which is one of the seminal raw moments from the early days. And then of course, if you you don't
1: remember, he, he was cannonball kid, lightning kid, all these things, but he would lose every week. And every time he would lose, he would come back out with a different name. And that was the story. And, and, and finally after weeks and weeks of losing, he totally unexpectedly out of nowhere beats razor Ramon, who is an established mid card to main event talent. And, um, from then on he was the 1 2 3 kid and uh, the chant was 1 2 3 and uh so just going and that you know that was all in that first couple months at the Manhattan Center and then of course they introduced
0: Scott Hall who they just called Razor, razor Ramon Yeah,
1: but to be fair in WWE he was for much longer Razor Ramon than he was Scott Hall he
0: was only Scott Hall for the NWO return which was like 02 yeah and that wasn't very long yeah. so he razor Scott Hall comes. It's so weird calling him Razor Ramon because I've only ever known him as Scott Hall. Yeah. Um, but Scott Hall comes out, and um, they have uh, they do the Two Sweet, which yep. was a nice little introduction to uh, Balor and yep. Gallows and Anderson coming out. Which it kind of almost felt like they might have been starting trouble, but of course they all they all throw up the the too Sweet,
1: the Too Sweet, and kind of the the merger that, of all the factions was pretty cool.
0: That could should have and could have been the end of the segment, and that would have been a great little boost to Balor and Gallows and
1: Anderson, who... But you gotta say yeah.
0: But apparently you gotta say yeah, and then the revival come out, and it's like, all right, well, it's one thing when Balor and Gallows and Anderson came out and they looked like they were outnumbered. Now it looks like the NWO versus just two dudes, which I love the revival. This was a really stupid way to use them. Yeah. Gallows and Anderson, of course, go over. Um, It was basically a house show at that point. Um And Gallows and Anderson go over They do another two suite in the ring And um, they throw it back over To Barclays And we and get, we get
1: the, the weakest Final go home segment Just for so we're match clear
0: They send out all the superstars from the back Half of which are at Manhattan Center Yeah, But they sent all the Talent outside Including the legends <laughs> The APA came out To protect Why? Kurt Angle
1: and to prevent any physical interaction between the three members of the championship match. Which, why were they coming to the ring? If you were so worried about them fighting, why call it? There was no contract, there was nothing, there was no reason to call them out. This was an excuse to have Braun Strowman throw someone through a table. It was a very weak go-home segment.
0: Just so we're clear, the picture that's on WWE.com for the Raw 25 results is a picture of Braun Strowman sending Lesnar through a table. And if you look in the background... You can very clearly see Jonathan Coachman, The Godfather, Brother Love, Gold Dust, and I know right behind
1: Strowman is the APA. So... There was... There was... Yeah, the, the, the people at ringside did nothing. Uh, there was a funny segment with Godfather where Mark Henry walked up, and Godfather's standing there with a, a nicely looking lady, and... Uh, that
0: is the nicest possible way you could have put it i think i approve and i applaud you and
1: he says uh, what's what was her name claudia something like that the brooklyn brawler is in this picture i just realized who that is uh and he says i think her name was claudia so let's go with that. he says claudia this is mark henry he used to go buy sexual chocolate back in the day and mark henry saying yeah well a lot's changed since then we all grew up but i guess you didn't huh godfather and uh, then he starts looking this lady up and down. He says, "So uh, who's who, what's her name again?" And he says, "This is Claudia. She's my wife." <laughs> and uh, stops Mark Henry on his tracks. And uh, Godfather walks out. I thought that was pretty good. Um, so real quick, I just want to I just want to pitch a couple ideas here. I'm not going to go into detail with them, but I just want to pitch an idea. What if and what if because we're 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 hearkening back to the first Raw? What if you have Kurt Hawkins trying to get into the Manhattan Center, that but, would he, crazy. but he's not allowed in. Because it's for winners only.
0: Wait, hang on. I like your idea. Did you see the person who was behind Jim Ross and Jr. Or Jim Ross and Jr. <laughs> Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, who was dressed as Bobby Heenan in a dress? Yes, yes. Oh, it was it, so it was good. good.
1: So I would have had Kurt Hawkins, like, very early on in the episode, try to get it in the Manhattan Center, but he stopped. You could even bring Sean Mooney back. He stopped because it's for winners only. And this leads to a bunch of segments where Kurt Hawkins is going around New York trying to beat New Yorkers at darts, arm wrestling, and whatever. And finally, he wins something at, you know, 10.59 or whatever and is allowed into the Manhattan Center just as the show is ending. That's what I would that have That would have been so good. Yeah. Uh, another thing I would have done, I would have had the DX music play and I would have had um, Sean and Hunter come out at the Barclays Center and then they say, but we didn't come alone, and then – uh, the New Age Outlaws come out at the Manhattan Center and they say, wait, no, we we, we, we agreed we're going to be the Barclays. And they go, no, we agreed we we're going to be at Manhattan Center. It would have been perfect. And he goes, didn't you get the email? And Sean goes, what's email? And and then, and then they say, all right, you guys stay there. We're going to come down to you. And it follows DX out and they get on the tank that they invaded WCW with <laughs> and they start driving to the Manhattan Center. That's that would have been great. Too. And, then they, and then they show up there uh i talked about uh i talked about the cold open i would have uh i would have had the dudley's return to manhattan center because i think one of the big moments in early raw history there was the ecw invasion and you have jerry lawler there to call it extremely crappy wrestling which he always did so i would have had the dudley's come through the crowd there uh, i think
0: all of i think maybe not all of the legends but i think almost all of them should have been at manhattan center yeah because I, you can see all of their segments work. But I think Christian being at Barclays doesn't necessarily hurt anything. Um, I, I, I'm i not really opposed to it for what they used it for. Yeah. But again, like, I don't know. I, Christian probably would have gone over better. And, and, and the
1: only other thing, I, I, I mean, I would have, because, like, it's such a rare thing, and it probably won't ever happen again, where you have a raw simulcast from two different locations. Excuse me. I would have played with that. I would have done maybe... I would have had uh, Cesaro and Sheamus in a match and Rollins and Jordan in a tag match, but at different arenas at the same time with a split screen. And they would have done the anything you can do, I can do better thing. So they'd be Mm -hmm. facing like two jobber teams and uh, they'd slam one of the jobbers into the table and then they would do it at the other place. And then they would do a, you know, a clothesline. Then they'd do a clothesline and then they do a standing stalling vertical suplex and then they do a standing sawing vertical suplex and they're just holding guys up in the air to see who can last longer. And Cesaro's starting to, starting to shake a little bit. So he, he, uh, Sheamus Seamus comes in and takes the guy and keeps, you know, I would have done stuff like that. I, th- I would have made use of the fact that you were in both places. And I think that would have been beneficial to both crowds. Because when you think about it, uh, the Barclays Center only got three matches for the whole night, which was the women's match the Titus O'Neil and Apollo Crews versus Rhino and Heath Slater match, and the Intercontinental title match. Miz and Reigns. Miz and Reigns. So they got three matches, and they were sitting there for over three hours. Uh, Manhattan Center technically got four matches, but two of those were dark cruiserweight matches. Then they get the short, weird Wyatt Hardy match and the Balor Club versus Revival match. Which was
0: also incredibly short.
1: short. So it was just – it was – very odd balance and very lopsided and just kind of flat in a lot of places and and you know you had all these people and the best thing you could come up with is we're gonna bring them out to the stage and they're gonna wave and it's just like that's good for the hall of fame thing because that's kind of like a prestigious thing some
0: of them it's cool for like the, the, the the gm thing was cool
1: because yeah, you, yeah.
0: you don't really use them. Although I'm really bummed that they didn't use Bischoff better. I feel like they used you, you have Eric Bischoff better. in your building and you didn't give him a mic.
1: Like You could have even had um you could even done a thing where they were all trying to be GM for the night. And, or trying to pitch ideas to Kurt Angle. And he was like, I, get out of my office.
0: When they did the GM thing, I assumed they were going to do the anonymous raw general manager. Yeah. And they would have Cole. That would have been a cool idea. Have Cole walk up to the... Walk up to the computer again. That would have been fantastic.
1: Yeah, just that, this that ding sound, and then the shot of the computer and just the old that
0: iPhone uh, notification. Yeah. Let's very quickly go through SmackDown, which was yeah, kind of boring, yeah. actually.
1: Yeah, it was. It was odd too. There
0: were a couple of really cool, uh, really kind of fun moments, but for the most part, it really wasn't all that great. Uh, Styles jumps the gun and decides to take on Owens and Zayn in consecutive matches
1: uh, to end the night styles really came out like a heel tonight and in his promo and in his matches yeah
0: in all ways he seemed more like a heel which is weird because he's trying to be babyface which is not i don't know gable chad gable defeats jay uso not anything special there naomi defeats Liv morgan and then that led to the royal rumble kind of lead up with uh them in the women's rumble match uh, Nakamura and Corbin ended in a no contest, which in actuality should have been a DQ finish with Nakamura winning yeah. since Randy Orton hit the RKO of
1: RKOs. This was a truly out of nowhere one. This was done very well.
0: Uh, Nakamura goes to hit the Kinshasa as soon as he stands up for it. Uh, and they had that shot that they always have of Nakamura where it's from the one ring post looking at the one he's standing at just kind of across. And then all of a sudden Orton literally is in your frame and, Hitting the RKO, the live fans saw it coming, but the watching it on TV, you did not see it coming. It really, it was great. It was a wonderful use for a man whose whole character is now his finisher, and has been for like five years.
1: Yeah, it worked great. Orton also really should have been on that Raw twenty-five.
0: You and his wife both agree.
1: Yeah, but really, I mean, he's had a lot of great moments over the last decade there. And the, I actually I think, watched a couple of his really cool moments from in the last couple of weeks. Coming Out to Evolution to Legacy to... Rated RKO. Rated RKO. I mean, just... And, and that... that uh, remember that when he was being honored and Shawn Michaels came back and attacked... Like, uh, just so many good moments. Or when he was passing the torch to himself and Chris Jericho came back. That's true.
0: Which... Was a very fun moment. A year into me watching wrestling with Chris Jericho coming back. Yeah. Um, uh, Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, and Bobby Roode defeat Jinder Mahal, Rusev, and Aiden English. English eats the pin. Um, I didn't mind the New Day-Bobby Roode get-togethers because I know it's not going to happen all that often.
1: Yeah, it was a little It's a little funky. But if it's, if it's a one-off thing, that's fine.
0: Uh, AJ Styles beat Kevin Owens in about two minutes, and then Owens was hurt on the outside.
1: Yeah, well, Owens is, is legitimately hurt. His back is messed up, and I, I'm assuming that's why they did this the way they did it, because it was a short match, and then Styles keeps the uh, calf crusher locked in way after the bells are rung. Very heelish. And but- Sami
0: Zayn comes out and to... to- to attack him before the match starts, but because Owens was being attacked. Yeah. And uh, then Styles, throughout the Sami Zayn match, was attacking Kevin Owens again.
1: Yeah, taking him off the stretcher. and
0: uh, Kicking him while he was down. It was very heel.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And then Sami Zayn picks up the win. Uh, Those two stand tall. Oh, my gosh. Sami
1: Zayn won with a blue thunder bomb.
0: Oh, and a haluva kick. And a halluva kick. He, He won with a combo. Yeah. Um. But he didn't have to hit the haluva Lu- kick more than once.
1: Some uh, some quick notes. SmackDown did their usual rating, um, so they didn't really get any of the bump off the Raw twenty-five. But Raw twenty-five did a monster rating. Did four and a half million viewers on average, um, which is the best rating it's done since um, April of two thousand fourteen, and that was a, that was a show built around Evolution versus the Shield, if you remember, um, Bootista. Blue cheese. Yeah, yeah yeah and uh the last time we had one of these type of raws was raw 1000 which was july of 2012 and they did over six million viewers so you know ratings have gone down but four and a half million viewers is a pretty strong number for this day and age and i don't know if we're really ever hit it again unless we're a catch few years fire.
0: away from raw 1500 although we are not we are about a year away if our memory serves from smackdown 1000
1: yeah, that's gonna come up, and you know who knows what they'll do with that. Uh, we'll 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 see. Um, so
0: yeah, that that was Raw and SmackDown. So this week we're gonna split this into two episodes because we went way over time on this one, and we don't have time to talk about the Rumble in this one. Plus, Brando has a brief history of Raw that he is desperate to get into. So, and we love you. We are gonna do a short. Second episode for you.
1: Because if you you.
0: would prefer to watch the watch, if you'd prefer to listen to the shorter episode, we will discuss a brief history of Raw in in honor of Raw twenty-five their twenty-fifth anniversary, which was actually January eleventh. Or uh, and we'll also talk about the Rumble, uh, including some of who we think will show up in the many open slots in both Rumbles.
1: And we love you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You really want to get that point across? What that we love you. So uh, that'll do it for this episode. We are going to have the plugs. Check the feed. Uh, these two episodes should be right next to each other. If you listen to them out of order, it doesn't really matter.
1: So Listen to them both, one or the other, none at all, backwards, forwards, on mute. Doesn't matter. Wait. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Don't listen to it on Well, actually, if you, if you really want to listen to it on mute, I guess that's your prerogative. Um, also, shout out really quick to uh, one of, a friend of the show. Killian McMurphy, yeah, who wrestled Sonny Kiss this past yeah. weekend. And from what I understand, it was a pretty good match.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, and um, we love you. And, and we love you. Okay, so um, stay tuned for the plugs. If you're done with us for this week, thanks for listening. If you're not, check out the next micro episode, mini episode, not a whole hour episode, which will be a brief history of Raw and a, re- a preview of this weekend's Royal Rumble we'll see you in like five minutes like us on Facebook at facebook.com/ barricade show follow us on Twitter at barricade show you can listen to the show each and every week at soundcloud.com slash barricade show or search for over the barricade podcast on iTunes and Google Play follow Lee Brando on snapchat Twitter and Instagram at Lee Brando underscore and send him a friend request on Facebook. Just search for Lee Brando. And don't forget you can send us an email over the Barricade Podcast at gmail.com. Send in your suggestions. We'll see you next week.